Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at NFL on Twitter. Give me a follow. And also the Paddy Packer on Instagram. And I'm joined by me old buddy, me old pal. It's at IT Hedgehog Peter Jones on Twitter. Give him a follow. Also, you still don't have the Instagram account, Peter, uh, with all of your donut related uh, posts and selfies. What's going on, bro? <laughs> donut Graham. No, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm very good. You say like that's a thing out there, you know, like inspo, you know, inspiration from insta instaboration, is that what they call it? I've no idea. Is is donut gram? Is that a thing? If it's not Thing, it, it, it isn't but it should be there you go I'm, I'm doing well steve how are you yeah not too bad um we're in the off season rightly but the, look at the off season does not it's not a thing here at uk packers it's not we're still tweeting out and all the rest now are we tweeting out stuff like um uh, hey bros uh you know i'm going down to the shops what's everyone what's what's the milk people are drinking out there bros you know like it's not that we don't hold on desperately um to try and get people to because that's the thing pete isn't it there's so many accounts out there packer related and it's this weird time of the year that people don't know whether they should continue tweeting and talking packers or try to leak their personal lives into some of the group accounts that we see you know and then also some of the personal accounts of these sort of you know people that you recognize online it's really weird to see them come out of the woodwork with all of these different tweets and go oh so, yeah, you like bondage, so, that's fine. So, so what you're saying is, I shouldn't be tweeting things like, I like apple donuts, what's your f- favourite flavour of donut? <laughs> did you, yeah, well, I don't know, if you're doing donut no, gram, no, that's fine, you know. Is that, are you saying, are you doing that, Peter, are you letting donuts take over your uh, Twitter account, is that what I'm saying? Will I have to... Well, I wasn't, but I will now. Damn right. You gotta have a personality somehow, but you know what? It's fine. Like, I mean, when people come out with the personalities, that's all good. But it's really weird when you see someone who only posts exclusively Packers, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're massive. Um, what's that thing? That Japanese cartoon stuff. And by the way, isn't Japanese cartoonage um not the number one thing that people go to when they try to be like nerdy cool? Do you, do you know what I mean? And maybe I'm being massively controversial here about Japanese cartoons. And if that if that you know really insults people, that's fine by me. Uh, but didn't Mike Daniels come out and start talking about like Japanese? What's it called? Manga. I I know nothing. Well, there you go. You see, not, not anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're just pleading the fifth. You're like, no. Clearly, not, clearly not. when it when it comes to the off season, if it's not donuts, I know nothing. Donuts or packages, you know nothing. Yeah, it's something. It's one of these things. It's a mad craze that if you want to. I don't know. It's like those ironic glasses. You know, those like 1980s um, really large glasses that looked ridiculous back then and also look ridiculous now. You know, there's a reason why they went out of fashion. And, you know, you have a couple of bloggers that wear them and then all of a sudden everyone goes around wearing them thinking that they look the same. But anyway, I'm, I'm getting, what are you doing in the off-season, Pete? Apart from me being, you know, manga-licious and, and controversial about manga uh, and large spectacles, um, what are you doing? For this off season, how do you fill your time, bro? Well, I think I think actually this time this time of the year, funnily enough, football wise becomes one of the busiest periods with with the draft coming up. So it, yeah. so it's um you know we've got the combine coming up at the at the end at the end of February and then the draft at the end of April. So it's so it's um two or three months of of quite solid 
watching film back and forth, reading reports and all of that, all of that, all of that boring stuff. But, um, but yeah, I actually, I love, I love this, this time of year. Then after the drafts out of the way, that's when it kind of drops off a lot for me. And I kind of think, well, what now? <laughs> I can just imagine you. Did you ever see there's a scene? No one's going to get, like zero people are going to get this reference. But you know that fantastic um, cinematic triumph that was Goldmember uh, with Mike Myers? Have you ever seen that film? Indeed, I have. Yeah, well, I mean, it's very highbrow. I mean, it's right up there with Hitchcock and, and everybody else. Um, but there's a scene in that, and as well, uh, no, I want to get, I was going to say something, you know, to do with my personal life, but also, no. Um, so people are going to think, gold member in your personal life? What did you have to say, Steve? Was it an unfortunate schmelting accident? Maybe. Um, but there's a scene in it where I think it's like an ode to Silence of the Lambs. Which I guess the movie probably is very highbrow because there's loads of references. But there's a scene where Doctor Evil is just standing in a room alone, just staring at the camera, and like for for way too long. And that's what I imagine you to be doing, just standing in your draft room with your draft board all full, <laughs> just twiddling your thumbs, not knowing what to do. Yeah, that, that's about that's about it. Come the beginning of May, that's that's it. Real scenes, real scenes. Yeah. I think we have to set up a feed like the Truman Show into your gaff just to see. Or maybe come up with ideas as we go along in the off-season to try to come up with stuff that you can do. But you're an avid reader, aren't you? Surely you have a couple of, of books on the bedside locker that you're trying to dig into. Yeah, yeah I, I am a very avid, very avid reader. The, di- the difficulty I tend to have is that I have multiple multiple books of different genres on the go at the, on the, go at the same time. Um, and if I'm not careful, they start to fade into each other. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which actually could be quite could be quite interesting but yeah no avid read lots of lots of history stuff so lots hmm. of um uh, mil- military military history stuff and and as you know spend 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 a bit of time doing doing genealogy and things like that so yeah so go on I, tell I keep... me what's on the bedside locker do you know the japanese actually have a word for having multiple books on the go at the same time. Now, this would be even more impressive of a fact if I knew what that word was. But let's, you know, it could be any. Um, so give us a flavor. What's the books you have on the go at the minute? And are we talking like between three to six books on the go at the same time? It's usually, it's usually, it's usually, about, it's usually about, about, about three, three, or, three or so. I guess the primary one I'm reading right now is, is Zulu by Sol David. Mm. So that's about the Anglo-Zulu wars in the in the um, late 19th century. Um, well, it's an, in, it's an interesting subject for subject for me, but it's quite a, quite a, quite a deep subject and quite difficult, quite difficult reading, you know, when they're talking about um, the layout of battlefields and why certain things happened and stuff. So that, so it takes a lot of visualization. What else am I reading? So I'm rereading Moneyball. So I'm quite a statistic. I love stats. I love statistics. And Peter, you don't say. <laughs> yeah, and um, so that that book's always fascinated me. And I guess it's always fascinated me because I've always thought about it's, it's, it's baseball based, but I've always thought about how can you turn that into into football stuff. You know, what are the key stats in football that that somebody may be missing, or the stats that somebody puts too much. Um, prominence on or too much importance on in in football that you know that really a- actually aren't that important so mm. but uh, but I just it's 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 a fa- fascinating I've always found that book fascinating so it's I don't know how many times how many times I've I've read it what else have I got on the go I, I guess the other one is uh it's manga is it no it's manga yeah no it's <laughs> it, it's uh, an autobiography by Brian Wilson of, of the Beach Boys so again it's this is the second or third time that I've that I've read it, but it's um, 
even if you're not a Beach Boys or fan or, or interested in that kind of genre of music, his whole life story is absolutely fascinating. So, yeah. so those are the kind of three very diverse books, if you like, that I've got on the go at the moment. You're a madman. Yeah, I can see the way they blend in, like surfing in the USA and it's just, you know, a bunch of English soldiers just surfing around the place, you know, trying to come up with stats about the Zulus. Yeah, it's a pretty weird place. I'd say your dreams are quite vivid. Um, yeah, I won't bore people with my book choice. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think my book choice is very, very interesting. I did read, it's kind of the end of last year up until this. I say I'm not going to bore people, then I go on and say it anyway, yay. Um, but uh, I've read every single Sherlock Holmes short story and novel. Um, in the last maybe month or so, and now I'm most of the way through Charles Dickens' Great Expectations. It's pretty grim, but I did um the one the other one that I just finished last week because I try to read at least a book a week. Um, it's kind of a new thing. I start off doing it and I get largely the way through, but I, I um I read Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Have you ever heard of this guy? No. Um, he was like a he went through the SEAL you know BUDS training uh, Navy SEAL training and stuff like that he's just a hard he's a badass and his life story is madness and it's it's, it's uh, some people deem it a self-help book um, and I guess it is because he just he puts you to shame but um, he's he's the inspiration for a book by a guy god I can't even remember his name off the top of my head now um, who invited him to live with him for a while um, and this guy's a multi-millionaire he, he created like a you know, a plane charter company and then coconut water and all this type of stuff. But he invited David Goggins to live with him to kind of train him out of his old ways, which he can do if you're a billionaire. His wife is the billionaire founder of Spanx, which you and I, Pete, know very well. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's it's the inspiration. I think that's how David Goggins initially got famous. So it's pretty fascinating if anyone wants to listen. But anyway, we're going to get, the, let's talk about Packers, will we? Because I think I'm sending people to sleep. They're going to, do you know the app Cam where they fall asleep? We have created a Cam episode of um, the UK Packers <laughs> podcast. But there you go. Um, we're going to talk Packers defense, Pete. Yeah, so th- so they've got trouble sleeping. Just put this podcast on repeat, is what you're saying. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, put the sleep yeah. timer on so that you don't waste yeah. your phone battery, and it's fine, Peter. Um, so we're talking Packers defense. This is interesting for me because, um, it seemed like for forever, Pete, that the defense was kind of the darling of this Packers team. Um, the narratives again, if I can remind people, before the season was, is that the defense are going to have to carry the Packers' offense. The defense was much improved under Mike Pettin. Um, the fact that uh, you know Matt Lafleur kept him was one thing, a good indication. And then the start of the season kind of led us to believe that this would be the case. And you know, didn't that quote come out where? It said, Aaron Rodgers came out and said, oh, well, we've got a defense. And that became a meme, like everything becomes a meme. And, um, you know, people are getting carried away. But by the end of the season, particularly with how the actual season ended in the NFC Championship game, where we got ran all over, Pete, it prompted Matt LaFleur in his post-season wrap-up presser when he was asked about Mike Pettin, was to turn around and not emphatically say, oh, yeah, he's coming back, don't worry about it. He came out and said, well, we'll have to look at everything. And his quotes were pretty revealing that they said to him, what happened in that last game? And he's like, well, you know, that's a great question. I don't know when you have the opportunity to go to the Super Bowl and this happens. And he called it bothersome, which talking Victorian language, there we go. Uh, so he must be true. David Copperfield. Um, so I don't know. How would you sum up the performance in 2019, Pete? Was it a success or failure or somewhere down the middle? I was thinking as you were saying it that bothersome was quite a very very apt description. I think it's somewhere in the middle and, and, and I guess bothersome becomes apt because 
there's there's lots of good points, mm. but there's also lots of not not so good points. And you and 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 like you say, I mean, at the beginning of the season, you know, they held the best three points in that season opener, and and you know, the two Smiths, Zadarius and Preston Smith, were getting sack after sack and pressure after pressure, and it and it it just felt exciting, if you like, to have a pass rush and 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 what have you. But as the season as the season went on, it felt like. And obviously, it happened in particular games. You know, the the, the Chargers game and the two 49ers games. It, it it felt like actually, you know, what this defense isn't isn't that good. Yeah, it's not it's not it's not terrible, and it's probably got a different shape to what we've seen previously. I.e., we had a pass rush this year that we've lacked for let's say three or four years since Clay Matthews was probably in his prime. But but actually, statistically. It's very, very close to to what the 2018 defense was, if not in some in some areas of statistics slightly worse. Yeah. Um, so it's very, very, it's very, very difficult to know what to make of it, and it it wouldn't have surprised me in the least had had Mike Patton lost his job. That would not have surprised me in the least. It's not what I would have wanted. I, I, I think that um, there's been enough change in terms of you know, the overhaul of coaching from, from last year into this year, or 2018 into 2019. And there's still, you know, work to do on the offense and the offensive system and stuff. So I think you have to have some level of stability. And I also think that um, Lafleur having an older head, if you like, like Petting um, alongside him, I think that has to help. Yeah. Um, so moving on from Petting wouldn't have been what I wanted, but it, it's, it certainly wouldn't have surprised me. It was worrisome until you look at that ending game. I mean, until you look at the the actual um, breakdown of people way cleverer than me um, about the run game for the Niners. The fact that, you know, they weren't using just the one scheme, that sort of smash mouth 1930s, let's run the ball down their throat kind of stuff. The fact that they used so many different disguises and shifts and all this type of stuff. And I see an awful lot going around online about, oh, it's like, the, you know, it's a, it's a typical smash mount 1930s-style football. Um, when that wasn't always the case, it was clever by Shanahan. Now, I will say, it was too easy still uh, for them to run all over us. And that, you know, 220 yards to Raheem Mozart. Uh, you know, four touchdowns. He goes down in the, you know, NFL annals for how great it was. You know, no defense wants to to carry that around their neck. And unfortunately for the Packers too, is that it, that's gonna personify the season, really, right? Because we were looking at them going, oh, you know, people are like, you know, widely online. The team is punching. Uh, you know, they've got further than they deserve to get, and all yeah. this type of stuff. But then you look at it too, and you you sort of say, you know, we were 18th in the NFL, so you know, ish in just just over half halfway through yep. the pack yep. um you know points per game over ninth so we're a top 10 defense only allowing 19.6 and had that been the case and all of our blowout losses well then we would have won um in the sense that we were able to put up points to you know get over that mark but just the embarrassing fashion i guess in the way we lost um was bad and as well as that pete don't we have gaping deficiencies on certain areas of the defense and i can look at that one of two ways 
is one, we've gaping deficiencies and look how far we came. Or go, dear God, this defense is not good because look at our gaping deficiencies. So it's one or the other, depending on whether you're half, you know, glass half full or half empty stuff. And I think that's sort of the be all and end all sometimes is the inside line backer position. We just can't get past that. And that's in flux now as we, you know, near free agency and into the season. Yeah, and I th- I th- yeah, absolutely right. And I, and I think that, you know, you look at the, that is a great position to be looking at. And you know, Blake Martinez, Oren Burks, BJ Goodson, whoever you want to name in there. It's it's definitely definitely a position that that you'd like you'd like to up upgrade. You know you'd like to have. Well, you want you want a guy in there that a that a that that can actually hit hit the hole and, and make some kind of splash plays in yeah. there, not make the tackles four, five, six, seven, eight yards down down the field. But but more importantly, I mean, you looked at that 49ers game and. All of those zone, you know, zone outside left, zone outside right. All of the lots of those runs, you know, were outside outside the the tackles. And you know, you've got to have backers that can get out there, get out into that space, and, and make and make those plays. And the diff the difficulty is, I mean, it's easy to sit here and say, well, we need to upgrade this position or that position, just because there's a whole bunch of names, for example, in in free agency. You think, oh, so and so. Let's say Corey Littleton's the name that keeps cropping up right now. Oh, if we get him, we're going to fix that problem. Mm. If only that were the way it worked. Yeah. Um, you know, every, every player, unless they're, you know, the, 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 those list of inside linebackers in free agency or in, or in the or in the draft, you know, those guys are not all the second coming of Ray Nitschke. Yeah. Right. So that's, there's a reason that those guys are. A free agents. If they were really, really that good, their teams wouldn't be allowing them to get to free agency. So, so, so you have to bear those things um, in mind. So, um, so yeah, I think you know you're right. That position needs to be upgraded, but you you have to proceed with caution, don't you? And you can spend a lot of money on on guys who turn out to be not much better than what you already had. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. And and like the, the thing that concerns me as well, Pete, is the fact that, like you say, there's free agents names put out there. Kyle Van Noy um, of the Pats is another one that I see floated out an awful lot. And people just think because they know the name, if you slot them in, they're going to be fine. I mean, to an awful lot of people, Blake Martinez is going to be a name that they recognize. Now, I, again, I was a, I was like, you know, number one in the Blake Martinez fan club uh, for a long time. Didn't understand why he got so much hate. Um, he's a, he's a really nice guy, a very hardworking player. But as you said, like when it comes to, I got really frustrated with him this season. It was more evident this season. And like you said, you know, you need someone that can hit the gaps. You need someone with sideline to sideline speed as well. Someone intuitive. Whereas Blake Martinez. There was so much that I had highlighted in my play-by-play notes of, oh, here he is just ball-watching again. You know, he lets the the runner come through the gap and then sort of, you know, chase him down after he gets the first yard. It was just so frustrating. So, you know, there's this talk as well that if we're going to need a decent inside linebacker in the draft that we're going to need to, um, you know, move up in the draft to, to grab him. But again, Pete, like, like you and Andy are proponents of, yes, you can be... Uh, high in the draft but it doesn't mean that you're gonna you know hit a home run just because the guy's a first round pick um the other sort of uh, bone of contention that i see is rashan gary i'm for me lately anyway the jury's out for me because there's nothing stopping a player being dynamic and fantastic um the minute he comes into the league arguably darnell savage the way he picked up the playbook 
um, how quick he was. To, like, how many times did we look at games and go, he actually had to slow himself down because he got to the ball too quick or to the player too quick or whatever. Um, so does that. So the same way that I kind of look at the Super Bowl play of Patrick Mahomes and I say the quarterback position, depending on your coach and everything else, can just be that easy. Now, I'm not saying what Patrick Mahomes doing is easy. It's impossible. But I'm just saying that it is humanly possible for these people. Aaron Rodgers is the upper echelon of that. So I miss the times when he was superhuman like this, be it the scheme, be it his skills or whatever. So similarly with the likes of Rashawn Gary coming in, first round pick, yes, he was behind Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith. But when he was in and had a chance to impact the game and didn't or seemingly didn't, there's nothing stopping him from actually doing it. Now, will he make the step up in year two? You would expect so. Um, but it's weird, isn't it? We have a defense that's sprinkled with superstars and also people that need to be replaced. Yeah, well, and, no, and I think that's absolutely absolutely right on Rashan Gary. You know, the jury's out. It can't be anything other than still out because we haven't seen um, enough of him. We haven't seen hardly anything of him. Yeah. Um, to be able to say, yeah, he's definitely going to be this, or he's definitely going to be that. We right now, we just we 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 just don't know, and and it always was, you know, an interesting pick, regardless of of what you thought of Gary as a as a as a player. And we talked about him, you know, in the in the draft previews and stuff, you know, this time last year. Mm. But it, but whatever you even thought of him as a player, it was an interesting pick to be picking a player at that position, having just picked up the the. The, the the two Smiths because you could have read into that actually I've picked up these two guys in free agency but actually I'm not certain about both of them yeah. even though I've paid them that big money so I'm now going to go and get another one that's one slant that you could could have that you could have put on that I, I just think that you know they clearly zeroed in on a guy that they thought was a, a superb athlete and, and and they clearly they clearly really really liked but the you know, the jury the jury absolutely is 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 out on 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 Rashan Gary? Yeah, and like again, I just sometimes I get sick of people telling me how to feel about stuff. And like Rashan Gary, absolutely, when he first come in, you can't expect that major in the first year. But what I will say is, is that if someone's a good player, they're a good player. If you want to train them up and do a certain thing, they can do a certain thing. If someone is non-impactful. Um, from a certain position well then it can get frustrating so again not saying nothing bad about the dude um you know year two let's see what happens but at the same time it's akin to someone saying and this is another one that really grinds me gears is when someone turns around and says that a comedian that most people don't find funny is a comedian's comedian okay <laughs> a comedian makes people laugh and if most people don't laugh you know good all right and if he's just so cerebral and clever that you don't get them because you just don't understand. But us comedians, we get funny and we get jokes and we get him. Okay, but I'm just going to state this. If you're a football player keeps hoofing the ball up into the stands, it doesn't mean you're a football player's football player, okay? You're just bad at football. So the thing is, let's see if uh, Rashawn Gary comes back strong. Now, sort of venturing into the positive, and again, it's all the narratives that have all been played out at this stage, is just how impactful Preston Smith and Zadari Smith what were it's unreal uh kevin king um could be seen as a comeback player this is another thing pete as well so how healthy were the packers <laughs> in 2019 yeah. and can we expect us to be that healthy next year you know well, well I, th I think the answer to the first question is unbelievably healthy yeah and secondly is no we can't you know yeah. that, that it's this is one of those areas where um you know luck absolutely plays a plays a huge part and the packers were very very healthy um 
you know, and very lucky to be that healthy. Now, in past years, we may have been unlucky to be as unhealthy as as we seem to have been in certain in certain years. But um, yeah, this this year, um, unbelievably so. And th- and and I guess that's why you know you know that you can't stay that way ever every year so that's why you have to look for for depth which you hope that gary will give you a you know as as your outside linebacker or 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 edge or edge rusher um you know and and that's why you always end up looking for three or four um solid solid corners and three and you know three safeties if you like um yeah so i mean you mentioned you mentioned you mentioned kevin king you know king paired with alexander is is still one of the better young cornerback pairings in in the league. King certainly was more of a splash player in, in the you know in this past year. I think five in, five interceptions. Um, you know, and and like you say, you know, stayed 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 healthy, played all sixteen games this year. Um, and Alexander had what I would say is a solid second year. I don't think he I don't think he made or took the strides that lots of people were either expecting or hoping for, you know, there was a, a, maybe an unfair expectation that he was going to come from his rookie season, which was, you know, a very good rookie season. And suddenly he was going to be, you know, the second coming of, of her badly in his second, in his second season, <laughs> you know, that, that it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that, particularly at that position. You know, what you find is, you know, you look at um, for all, for all his, bad points and whatever you look at the likes of, of of Richard Sherman and those kind of guys who've been knocking around the league for you know 10 or 12 years hmm. and I think that happens a lot at the at the at the corner at the cornerback position um whilst whilst speed's important it's not the be all and end all at, at at that position there's a lot made you know there's a lot about experience and learning that that slot and um I think it was Al Davis that used to say that he thought that that was the most difficult position to come in and play was was corner. So, yeah, I mean, I think that you, you've already mentioned Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos along, alongside Savage, you know, you've got the makings of a, of a good secondary that if you can keep those guys together for the next three, four, five years, it's just, it's only going to, it's only going to get better. Yeah. It's the real dream team. Like when Jair Alexander, like you said, kind of solid year, um, more often than not actually what stands out to me about him was he got burned on some big plays and also he tried to suplex people into the ground with some wrestling moves there was a couple of that action going on as well uh, Tremont Williams guilty of that too and also you know he's getting up there in years now I do see an awful lot online about you know bringing back Mason Crosby Brian Bulaga and Tremont Williams and I'm surprised to see Williams name um thrown in there as well just with his age and the fact that I don't know Pete like later in the season it stands out to me that he got beaten on an awful lot of plays, had a couple of dumb penalties as well. Um, but Darnell Savage, solid. Adrian Amos, um, solid. Again, Amos as well is a weird one, isn't he? In the sense that there wasn't anything major from him, but there wasn't any major mistakes either. And he was just a pretty dependable guy. Yeah, and that's it, it kind of, doesn't it feel like that across a lot of the team? Yeah. You know, there's one or two players like, like the Smiths that made you know, outstanding contributions for game in, game out for the majority of the games of the season. And then you feel like there's a whole bunch of guys that were just really solid. 
And and I guess that's why you ended up, you know, whatever you might think about the Pro Bowl, that's why you ended up with hardly anybody making making the Pro Bowl. But but I suspect you had lots of guys that were in the kind of ranking at round about tenth in their position in the league. Pretty pretty solid. Are you worried about a defensive line? I mean, this is a position that yeah. um, do you know what the biggest shocker from any of these things. And again, when I get the notification to say you know, the presser is live and Brian Gutekunst was coming out and sort of breaking down how people were playing. You can kind of read between the lines and the fact that Blake Martinez is gone. Um, he said that he wants to bring back Tremont Williams. Uh, Kenny Clark needs to be signed to a, a long-term extension. Um, he's just devastated. He's just so dependable. And the fact that he never gets injured, you know, he's he's always, yeah. well, you know, Jesus touch wood. But this season, he was fantastic um, health-wise, as I guess everybody else was. Um, and he's, he's the real... Um, you know, anchor of that line in position, but also in in style and production. Even though these numbers weren't that flashy, but then outside of that, Pete, like Tyler Lancaster, which people thought was a who was a diamond in the rough, didn't really pan out. Dean Lowry is, I don't know, if I was to write down his stats, I'd say meh. You know, like he's he's fine. He can have some some big plays, but more often than not, it, you know, it's so so. We can't. We really do depend on our pressure to come from the Smiths, don't we? Um, because otherwise we don't have a whole lot going on. And Kenny Clark did get some purchase when the Smiths were double teamed, I guess. But apart from that, um, you know, defensive end wise, I mean, I don't see a whole lot there. Kingsley Kiki flashed some nice stuff in training camp, maybe preseason. As we started to get into the season, you know, I don't really, you know, I don't see an awful lot from him either. Yeah, I, I think I think that um, I think with Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster, they kind of they they are what they are. Yeah, you know, um, solid dependable guys um but but you know barring something un, un, unforeseen you know they're not going to make a huge a huge leap from where they are now and you know and every roster has those kind of guys so i'm not i'm not i'm not knocking them but you're right they're not splash type players that are going to make huge huge plays mm. you know i um i think i think I'm not even sure that Dean Larry had a single sack all season and, and Lancaster had one and a half, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, so, so you've got a sack and a half between your two guys that started at defensive end. It's, you could do with a little bit more than that. And I, and, and I know they're not necessarily asked to, to, to do that, you know, with the, with the two Smiths, with Rashan Gary, with Kyla Fackrell, you know, those guys are asked to, pin the rares back and rush the passer but you you you'd want a little bit more from your starting defensive ends and at the very least you would be expecting those guys to tie up to tie up blockers yeah and you know if they're not stuffing the run themselves they're tying they're tying up the blockers and allowing the likes of martinez or or amos coming up from the safety spot to make to make those tackles and it just felt like they're just short of that um so you know, with a draft hat on, you look at you look at the the defense, and probably, other than the the safety position, you could make a you and outside linebacker, you could make a a case for them drafting any position, and similar on the on on the offense as well. To be to be honest, so it's one of those situations. Actually, is not a bad situation to be in going into the draft because it means you can pretty much take the best player available regardless of position when you get there. Yeah. Um, you know, and there will be certain positions you'd like to have, perhaps over the others, perhaps a wide receiver, perhaps a middle linebacker, but, 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 you know, you know, you don't want to reach reach for a guy. So I think that, 
that's not a bad position to be going into into the draft, knowing that actually wherever I pick a guy, it's a guy that's liable to come in and hopefully come in and play and make an immediate impact. Yeah, you just know like Twitter's gonna go into meltdown now when it comes draft day because they're going to draft someone who are like we do not need another outside <laughs> linebacker. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be like, well, we have to pick him, you know, he's there on the board. And they'll talk about the defensive coaches doing cartwheels down the uh, corridors again. And all of that is fine. So I guess that the position of strength, and again, just to touch on the lads, uh, you know, we've Preston and Zadarius Smith, culture changers. Um, oh, it was really cringe to uh, watching some people at the, you know, Pro Bowl and all that stuff talk to Zadarius Smith as if his actual brother was Preston and didn't get the fact <laughs> they weren't actually brothers. So cringe, boy. But, um, so yeah, it just culture changers, and they ask Gutekunst about it as well. Like, is this what you know? Is this why you paid him so much money? Did you see this? You know, and he had the perfect opportunity to do with John Terry. You know, to throw the you know jersey on, get down on the field, and take all the credit. But the thing is, and and Steely's his friend's wife, but he didn't do that. He went down and sort of said, "Look, you can't always say how people are going to impact the locker room." And from seeing the quotes from Aaron Rodgers to say like, you know, this is Charles Woodson, you know, but the leadership cannot be understated. The the culture change. An awful lot of the Super Bowl actually was, you know, some of the, the comms were saying uh, that Tyron Matthew, when he came to the Chiefs, he had that, you know, impact on the locker room to try to get everybody sort of, you know, do a whip round and get everybody involved. And that's certainly what these players do, particularly Zadarius Smith and their, their leadership and the ownership of mistakes was fantastic because... All of this sort of, you know, finger pointing, he said, she said stuff, uh, which goes on at the podium. You didn't get any of that, did you, from Zadarius Smith? Even though they play fantastic, there was one blown coverage, one blown play, and he would put his hands up and say, yeah, that's my bad, I need to be better at that. Now, that becomes nauseating when uh, Matt LaFleur keeps saying it. You know, when he, he I don't know about you, Pete, um, or how much attention you pay to these things, but, and again, to straddle both things, one, the Smiths and the Ratitude, and the other one, Matt LaFleur, is that I think he needs to kind of cool it down with the like, oh, I need to look inside myself stuff uh, now because I think he's gone into his second year now. But even in his sort of wrap-up presser, he came out and said, you know, kind of annoyed at the defense. I don't know how that can happen. How can they crumble apart? But also, you know, I need to look at myself too. And you're like, oh, okay, bro. I mean, not unless you suited up and went out there or were Mike Petten, you know, can you really take the blame? Not that Mike Petten can't either. That's, I'm just jesting. You know, but there needs to be less of that, I think. But again, what a way to take ownership from the Smiths. I just wonder, can they, A, produce the same statage, which the answer would, you'd think would be no, because people are going to be wise to them now, um, which might open up opportunities for other young whippersnappers, uh, i.e. Rashan Gary. Um, and then also, you know, can they bring that culture and attitude back to the locker room and, and keep going on? It might be easier, Pete, won't it? Because they nearly got to the Super Bowl, you would imagine. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I, I mean, I, I expect the Smiths to have a similar impact next year, but probably not the same stats, as you've said. Yeah. Um, but I think that leadership in, in, in the locker room. And when I look at that level of leadership, I think it's really important on 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 defense because you know that however good a defense is in this day and age, you're going to give up yards, you're going to give up points. And it's how you bounce back from that. Mm. It's It's, yes, they've driven down on us and scored a touchdown on this drive, you know, that doesn't mean we're all just going to going to crumble and they're going to score on the next drive and the next drive. It's how you bounce back from that drive, which they, to be fair, which they didn't do in the 40, in the 49ers game. Yeah. Um, but, that, but that's really important, but no, I don't think they'll have the same level of 
stats impact, but I do, I do think they'll have the level of leadership impact. And the thing that encourages me about about the defence is as long as you can find a replacement for Blake Martinez, and you know, and there will and there will be one out there. Um, you feel like it's a defence that that's only one or two players away from making a huge jump, because that 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 the, the starting secondary looks looks strong, and on paper you think that can only get better. The two outside backers are strong, and you know you've got Kenny Clark, and you think actually, from a personnel point of view, this that's a defence that's only one or two players away. Yeah, and as 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 you've said. If players start like like the Smiths, if they get more attention, then all of a sudden your your other guys are, make, are making plays. As long as they can make those plays, then I think you, I think you're fine. And you know, no no defense is going to have 11 Hall of Fame players on it. Let's let's be let's let's be let's be realistic. There's going to be weaknesses somewhere, but I just think they're one or two good players away. From from making from making a from making a huge leap. Yeah, it's certainly promising. Like I do like to look at that whole thing of you know look at the pieces that we were missing, look at the opponents that we faced, and again that worked in our favour too. Um, and look how far we got. And again, we've said it uh, for the last number of weeks. It doesn't mean we're going to go and march onto the Super Bowl. Oh, we we've got an inside linebacker now. You know, we let's win two Lombardies in the same year. It's not going to happen. The way I'd sort of sum it up. Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, he, Kenny Clark, fantastic. Preston, Zadari Smith, yay. Uh, Blake Martinez is definitely uh, out the door. Who we get in. The scary uh, thing I read, I think it was from Matt Schneidman, uh, the, you know, that singer from Ramstein, and also covers the beat for the Packers uh, on The Athletic. So he was sort of saying, like, if Blake Martinez goes and you don't get a replacement in because he was a workhorse. Like, I mean, he, you know, led the league in tackles and then he was second, I think, in the other two years or three years. Yeah. Um. So, you know, he was still in there putting his body on the line and nice guy and all this type of stuff. And also, he cried in the locker room in the last game. So, uh, so heart-wrenching. So, um, with the likes of him, like, if he leaves and then you don't get a proper replacement and we're left with Ty Summers, uh, who, again, was an absolute warrior when it came to preseason, but also preseason. Well, then we could end up in a worse situation. It's pretty scary, Pete. Is that scary? Yeah, it, it, no, it, it, it does. I mean, that's you know, if there, if there's one, if the, if you could pick one thing that you would want to, you, you'd want to get is that middle inside middle linebacker, linebacker spot. Um, I, I guess that you know, Oren Burks hasn't stepped up. Mm. B, Bj Goodson did okay, but he kind of is what he is. You know, a solid run defender who's who's no, no more than that. Um, so un- unless one of those guys takes a takes a sudden leap, you've got to find a guy. Yeah. And and they, you know, and, and I'm sure that and I'm sure that they will. I, I just I think that that us as fans, we just have to temper our expectations that whoever it may be, like like you said earlier, just because it's a name, they're not necessarily suddenly going to be. 15 or 20 percent better than what we've already got yeah very hard position i mean there's i mean you could name probably on one hand couldn't you pete the amount of like really dominant elite inside linebackers there are in the league so it's not a position that you can kind of come across and go oh well you know you're going to get him it's going to be a massive upgrade um and i guess if you got someone in and got some of the same well uh, not great uh kevin king yay dryer alexander also yay but then when you look behind them really you know if you're going to bring back tramon williams fair enough josh jackson he's he not been a massive disappointment yeah and I, and I think i was thinking that when you were talking about tramon williams earlier and i think 
Josh Jackson is probably the reason why they're thinking about yeah. the possibility of bringing Tremont Williams back. You know, it's who's that third corner, and right now it, it is it is Tremont Williams. Um, so yeah, so Josh Jackson has been a huge, huge, huge disappointment. Um, you know, and I, and I have to say that I thought he would be much better than he's much better than he's been. I guess the potential saving grace for him is that. He only started that one year in college um, at Iowa. And so you wonder whether he's just a year or so behind in the development of where you would think a, a second round, second year player would be. Yeah. Um, the, the problem is you can't have guys that develop him forever. You know, this is his, this is his third year coming up. And, and I guess to a degree, and, you know, coming out of the same draft, um, Oren Burks, those two guys you know, you could regard these as kind of make-or-break seasons for those two guys. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you'd look at him and you kind of think, you know, whatever his development is as a as a second rounder, the fact that he, you know, a big power player, I think you got to look in on special teams, and the fact that Tremont Williams is playing ahead of him, you know, yes. Chandler Sullivan is playing ahead of him, you're kind of thinking, oh, it doesn't really bode well for you. As you say, you never know. I mean, they could be forced into because I believe um, Chandler Sullivan... Um, is potentially a free agent now, is he? Or are going to be a free agent? So whether they bring yeah, him back? Yeah, I think I think he's an exclusive rights. It's either exclusive rights or, or restricted free agent. So I think he'll be back. Yeah. And I thought and I thought that I thought that Sullivan would, had a really good year. You know, for 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 a guy that let's face it is a would have been regarded as kind of a no name guy that that nobody knew what they had there. Mm. I, you know, I thought that he was one of those guys that um. You know, if you want a kind of just just a kind of just a just a kind of guy that was um, an unexpected success, as it as it were, I think that I think that he was he'd be right up there on your list of Packers for this for this past year. A really good really good year, considering. Yeah. So, well, that's the thing. I mean, considering the expectations. And speaking yeah. of great expectations, um, Travis Dickens. So then, Shannon Sullivan and Will Redmond, they kind of had flashes, I guess. Um, Redmond coming in at safety and then Ibrahim Campbell which they brought in what for the last game am I right in saying it was the last game um, it was right yeah it was right near I think he I think he I think he played um, five or so games did he um, yeah. yeah but again you know there was an awful lot said about him and I was excited to see him come back but again um, you know didn't see that would flash starter from there um, so I don't know that's the roster summed up for me but maybe you see it differently do you no, I, I, see, I see it very much the same. It's it's when you look at all of the numbers as you described, they seem to be generally in the middle of the pack. Mm. You know, with the yards given up and yards per play and, and and stuff like that. Very slightly better than last year, but not significantly better. You know, not dissimilar at all. But you do feel like there's a lot of solid players and a lot of potential in that defense, you know, you, you feel like one or two, I, I certainly feel like there's, you know, one or two players, if they can get them and, you know, and they come in and, and a, and a difference makers could, could, could really lift this defense to certainly, certainly top 10, which is where we would like it to be. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, you know, in, in the same place as you, Steve, I think that they could make those leaps on defense and indeed on offense and still not win 13 games next year. Well, what scares me, Pete, is is that I think there's a couple of things that come into play. You're not a whole phrase, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse, which is true. 
when it comes to the NFL because not only do they figure out your best players um, and take them away, if you don't improve in other areas to compensate, uh, you know, you're kind of screwed. But what sort of stands out to me about this defense too, and we said it throughout the season on all of our sort of post-review and pre-review and all this type of stuff, is that, you know, barring maybe two games max, did everything come together? I'd argue it was only one. But, you know, nothing came together all at once. You know, we didn't have dynamite defense, dynamite offense and special teams all clicking. You know, we were shanking balls and fumbling stuff away. Um, you know, the defense come back to save our ass. And then sometimes we'd have a game where it would be je- real Jekyll and Hyde stuff. What it would scare me about the defense would be is that, you know, there was splash plays throughout the season, like you alluded to. So, and we were incredibly healthy. So it could be a case, and not to naysay at the end of the podcast, that we could get better personnel-wise, but a couple of devastating key injuries on key players. Plus, you know, maybe that interception doesn't get thrown, maybe the ball yep. isn't fumbled. And if that's the case, not only do we not become 13-3, and three, we become far less. And then we're here trying to analyse, because people don't like that, do they? I mean, you know, when you analyse, oh, we lost the game, but it really pivoted around these four plays. You know, people tend to snooze away or hopefully listen. <laughs> but, you know, they're kind of like, I don't want to hear it if it's four plays. The defense is not good enough. And that's it. You know, and you'll have people that that, that explanation is good enough for them. And that kind of scares me as well, Pete, a little bit coming into this new season. Yeah, I mean, it's... it. it... Yeah, it's 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 difficult, and I think I think as I think as fans, we want to ch- we want to jump to one conclusion or the other. Yeah. Um, you know, and as we often talk, you know, we we jump to it. See that it's either all fantastic or it's all terrible. It's yeah. all Dom Capers fault, but actually he's not there anymore. So it's all somebody else's fault, <laughs> or it's all this. It's all Mike McCarthy's offense, but actually the offense in 2019 was very similar numbers to what it was in 2018. So it was all the system. It was all whatever it, whatever it might be. Whereas, whereas actually, as you've just described, actually nearly every game in the NFL comes down to four or five plays. Yeah. No more or no more or no less than that. And, and that's the nature of the league. And that's the, that's the way the NFL wants it. And, you know, it, it is about how you take those opportunities, you know, as, as you've just described, I think the Packers had, 24 takeaways I think on defense last year which was nine or ten more than they had the previous year and that makes that makes all the difference so you can give up the yards but if you have that interception in the end zone if you stop the guy at the one yard line you know that makes all that makes all the difference and they certainly did you know come up with those big plays those interceptions in particular you know Kevin King had had five and I think only had one in his career before this season and and yes, they'll have dropped the odd one or two, but it never—it didn't feel like they dropped many mm. during the season. You know, even even in the game where Jair Alexander was was destroyed by Amari Cooper, and he was, you know, for for two hundred plus yards. Even in that game, Alexander came up with an, a you know a big play interception. So yeah, I think those plays make make all the difference, and it's it's encouraging and worrying, as as you say, because you know that you can't keep making them. So you have to compensate in a in in a in a different way, but um, which is why I think that you know an upgrade at one or two positions, you know, it's it's not like we're going to be losing. You know, if Kenny Clark was a free agent and I don't know, uh, Darnell Savage was a free agent or one of the Smiths was a free agent, if two of those guys were free agents going into this period, you'd be worried, yeah, because you'd be thinking, how on earth can I replace those guys? You know, I can't. But we're not in that we're not in that situation. So you, so you just feel like pretty much anything they do on defense in the free agency period and the draft, they're going to 
they're going to make that defense better. Yeah, and I, I do like to think that, like you said, it's very hard um, on the podcast last week that it's all um, complementary. You know, you can't kind of blame one yeah. thing and they all feed yeah. off each other. And look, Preston and Zadaris are still going to be pretty dominant. They're just fantastic players. And like Brian Gutekunst said, he wanted to draft somebody and pay them the money who has their best career in front of them instead of behind, um, you know, which definitely bore out this this year. Um, as in 2019 um, so yeah I, I'm going to stay positive in the sense that those are going to ball out um, you know the second you're still going to feast on on takeaways as you said they were tied 7th in the league with 25 so it's just yeah. you know and this is this was again another pain point for Packer fans where we'd say we just can't get takeaways there was plenty of years where the balls would be in and out of the hand but yeah, yeah. look it's it's. I think it's positive I think we'll add some pieces um, and we'll feast Anything else to say on the on the defense of 2019, Pete, or forever hold your peace? No, I know. I, I just, I just, I just think that it's it's positive going going forwards. Yeah, um, and we can't go forward or sign off on the podcast, Pete, uh, without giving an honourable mention. Um, and again, not to end it on a on a down note, I guess we can celebrate his life. Willie Wood. Um, passed away who was again speaking of defence he was a safety um, for Vince Lombardi and he's you know Hall of Famer I mean what what can you say about Willie Wood that hasn't already been said but a pretty sad day for, for Pac Nation with the loss of, of Willie Wood yeah, it, 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 it really is and um, you know great safety we talked about one great safety last week Bobby Dylan. yeah um, you know Willie Wood followed on from from, from Bobby Dylan. they're one and two in the Packers all time you know, interception list. Um, yeah, and, and Willie Wood was, you know, multiple-time All-Pro Hall of Famer, the, you know, one of the defensive mainstays of that, you know, that dynasty from the from the 60s. Very fine punt returner as well, which is often overlooked because of how great he was on 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 defense. And as the years go by, Steve, you know, more and more of these great, great players, these great guys are, are leaving us. And it's it's... Yes, it's it's a sad day. Yeah, uh, maybe we'll do. Well, I'm not going to say do it justice. Uh, I don't think you can, but maybe we'll do a podcast uh, later in the off season about uh, Willie Wood and just uh, you know what a pivotal player he was. I love though as well, and and again, it kind of swings around. It's all kind of of topical. His interception against the Chiefs in the second half of Super Bowl Super one Bowl was one. seen by yeah. their coach as kind of a you know it was like yeah we played pretty well, but when that came to that interception. Um, in the second half of the game, it just killed us, and it turned into a rout. Then it was quite a close game. So, <laughs> bought, yeah, no, that's 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 a, yeah, that's, that's really good, really good point. And yeah, and H- Hank Stram, yeah, absolutely made that point. So I, th- I think it was fourteen ten at half time. Yeah, um, and that game, that that uh, interception, very much turned that game on its turned that game on its head. Yeah, twenty one ten, and then they kind of ran away with it. Then after yeah. that, but um, yeah, what an interesting um sort of tie in with the the week that was with the Kansas yes. City Chiefs coming up trumps. Yeah. They needed yeah. a Willie Wood uh, there in the second half to really turn the tide. So Pete, um, I guess that's it. So like we say to people, the podcast is once a week throughout the off season. If you want to hear all things Packers, we've been through the offense in last week's podcast called Let's Get Offensive. Um, and then this week, which is Let's Get Defensive. <laughs> and then next week, well, let's see if we can stretch out an hour podcast all about special teams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess, Pete, um, we probably won't be doing uh, a full one on special teams. But we, of course, we'll have some fantastic Packers content. No hot takes of, you know, top quality, top highly researched stuff. If the only people that say that is us, 
also fine. So, uh, you know, follow the group at UK Packers on Twitter, at UK Packers on Instagram. I'm at StevieDNFL on Twitter and the Paddy Packer on Instagram. And he is at ITHog Peter Jones. And I'm definitely going to have to record an outro in the future because there's just so much flying around, Pete. <laughs> and I'm going to have to add in, of course, uh, Donut Gram. So, Indeed. Yeah. That's it for this week. And as usual, go pack, go. Go pack, go.